Oh, I want to tell you, there's a whole lot of issues going on, but I'm going to tell you, God is in control. There's a whole lot of good. There's a whole lot of positive. God is in control. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you guys walking the aisles? You started out running. You're too, you're too young to get tired. I'd like everybody to sit down for one moment. And I would like Sister Drew to remain standing. I want to thank you and Brother Junior. You're not in trouble. Thank you for doing such a great job of cleaning this church. My goodness. You had to run for president. Thank you. And as you can tell, this whole church appreciates you. Both of you, all of you, in Jesus' name. The banquet that was just announced uh, for our anniversary service is absolutely free. And every single member of this church and your extended family is welcome. And uh, I don't know, it's a five or a six course dinner. It's a big deal. It's at the Marabou Park Hotel. It's going to be first class, but this is from Sister Mayo and myself to this church for your faithfulness, and uh, you're not going to want to miss it. Brother Darren Sargent, I know his family probably thinks we've got him preaching because he's such a good guy, and they're such tremendous people, and all of that is true. Brother Darren Sargent was the very first evangelist we ever had at Cornerstone, and there was nobody here. And uh, he was willing to come with not, not a lot to pay him. But he came and preached his heart out. And today um, we're going to be inviting him back 25 years later. It's a whole nother picture. So he's going to be rejoicing with us. Yes. It's going to be a great time. Uh, Brother Paul Elder, tremendous man of God. And has been a friend uh, of ours for many, many, many years. Pastors, a tremendous church in Pueblo, Colorado, will be the master of ceremonies at the banquet. That will be on Saturday afternoon. Um, and so you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be fabulous. And then uh, my pastor, Brother Nathaniel Wilson, will be preaching here on Sunday at 1 p.m. And so we're going to have a great time and uh, time of celebration and thanks to God. Amen. All of our visitors here tonight, we're delighted that you're here. Yeah. No, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And uh, we truly are delighted that you're here. I'd like you to stand re with us tonight. We're going to go to the book of Malachi, chapter number 3. Malachi chapter number three. We have a Malachi in this church that probably could quote this entire chapter. Isn't that right, Malachi? Where is he? Is he here? Oh, he's sick? Oh, God touch him in Jesus' name. Tremendous young man. Okay, Malachi chapter three. We're going to start in verse number one. We're going to hit a few scriptures here. We're going to start in verse number one. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. And 
he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now, this particular passage of Scripture is talking about John the Baptist is coming to make the way straight, make the high places low and raise the low places and prepare the way of the Lord. Look at verse number four. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old. These words are deep as pools and heavy as timbers. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Now skipping over to verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? The answer is in tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. For you have wrought. Now this is God speaking. This is not some messenger. This is not somebody crying poor mouth. This is the Lord. You have robbed me in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now. Now these are incredible words that we're going to talk about here tonight. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. The argument is I can't afford to give God what's his. That's the argument. That's the, it begins with a rhetorical question. Will a man rob God? And it's built on the premise of people that are saying that we cannot afford to do what they used to do in the old days. I'm going to explain all this in a moment. And God is saying, allow that to prove me by simply obeying the word of God. Will I not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it? And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, the very entity of resistance and problem. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Incredible words. And I want to entitle this tonight, Back to Basics, Biblical Giving. Back to Basics, biblical giving. Let's lift our hands and let's worship the Lord tonight. Let's say, God, if you've got direction for me, I want it. If you have instruction for me, I need it. Come on, lift your voice. Let's all pray together. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, both young and old, weak and strong, employed and unemployed, God, I pray that you'll furnish the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him tonight. We won't fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. The book of Malachi, of course, is a minor prophet. Um, that is the last book of the Old Testament. There's, there's other things that we could get into that are actually etched in holy writ in this incredible book about preparing God's people before 
Jesus was to arrive in 430 years. The nation of Israel right right here, the, the, the effulgence of what we call the nation of Israel, has never truly recovered from backsliding. Um, the major prophets in bulk were used to prevent the nation of Israel from going into bondage. The minor prophets were sent post-exile or post-exilic. If you could, uh, one of the ways in which theologians divide the, uh, the Old Testament up is historically. And historically, you have once the nation of Israel actually became a nation after be- coming out of Egypt, it is divided in pre-exile, exile, and post-exile. This is outside of Egyptian bondage. The reason for that is, is because God never, God never determined that his people would be in captivity again. They were genuinely a free people. And I want to tell you that he, uh, he that is free in Jesus Christ is free indeed. And it is never the will of God that you are baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, and you are filled with the Holy Ghost. It is never the will of God that you are in bondage to sin again. There are some things that may be progressive. There are some things that might take time. There are some things that might take a process. But you are the property of heaven. And the deliverance from Egyptian bondage was the spinal column of all other covenants and all other scriptures that comprise the Old Testament. They form, they form the backbone of everything else that God is going to do in terms of consolidation and the formation of the nation of Israel from that point forward. They are genuinely a nation. But after coming into the promised land and experiencing a land that flowed with milk and honey, and experiencing God's delivering power and seeing the incredible power of this God. They got a little bit lifted up. The ghetto folks from Goshen got a little lifted up when they found out that I never had anything in Egypt, but now I got a vineyard. (laughs) And now I got, excuse me, now we're living in a city that we didn't build and houses that we didn't build, and that was all part of God's plan, that in bringing them out of captivity, God was going to lead them and drive out the enemy, and they were going to live in a land that was domesticated. That is an idiom when it says, a land flowing with milk and honey, that is an idiom. It's an idiomatic statement that means a land that's already domesticated. It is already, uh, it's already... The husbandry is already under the control of the mastery of human beings. And the nation of Israel was going to be led into a land that now will be theirs. And they got lifted up. Because the people that were nobody now are somebody. And I want to tell you that everybody is a somebody. There is nobody in this world that is a nobody. I don't care how depraved, I don't care how in bondage a person is, I don't care how confused in their sexual, mental, emotional, physical disorientation, nobody is a nobody. Everybody is a somebody because they are made in the image of God. It's time we start thinking that we're a somebody. And I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Somebody help me tonight. I don't care what the world calls me. I don't care what the devil says about me. I don't care what kind of mistakes I've made. It only matters what God says about me. And when God puts a label on me, that label is the only one that matters. Whether I'm pushing a broom or whether I have my own company. 
nation of Israel got lifted up with things that they did not work for. And God warned them through the mouths of major prophets that if you do not repent and you do not get rid of these idols, that you are going to go back into bondage. And that is exactly what happened. I'm not trying to be negative, but we're trying to lead up to where we can understand where we started here tonight. And so the people that were once free are now going back into bondage because they did not play by the rules of remaining free. I want to tell you, if you've ever, I'm worried because modern day Pentecost is, is a big demographic and it's a big landscape and there's a lot of people that enjoy going to a Pentecostal church and I'm glad they're here. You've got, to, you've got to have people that you're trying to draw into the epicenter of this, into the nucleus of this. But there's too many people that are walking away from this that have never really had a genuine, you know what? When you have a fit of joy, the world will never look the same. If we really dance in the spirit, when you really become intoxicated in the power of God, marijuana will never look good. Alcohol will never look good. The ball game will never look the same. When you really become a part of the church and understand the power of an on-fire apostolic church, I want to tell you what, there's nothing in this world that can compare with the power of God amongst his people. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Woo! Hallelujah. But there's a lot of people that are hanging around on the fringes because they've never really drank from the deep drops of the well that is deep. With joy will I draw out of the wells of salvation. And so they confuse, they get confused with this just becoming religion. And they start thinking that there's things in the world that actually can provide more, more fulfillment, more satisfaction, more happiness. And the answer is right here in this well. The nation of Israel did not enjoy their placement in God's plan. And they, they started adopting the gods of their neighbors. And God said, I brought you out here. See, God... Somebody said God doesn't need us, but God does need us. See, God needs you. Not only does God need you, God wants you. See, God needs somebody. That God can use as a medium. To show everybody else he's true and he's good. God did not call the nation of Israel out of Egyptian bondage because they were good looking. God did not call the nation of Israel out of Egyptian bondage because they were super intelligent. God did not, in fact, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 7, it said, I didn't set my love on you because you were the greatest of all people. I set my love on you because you were the fewest of all people. They were an insignificant ghetto folks in Goshen. But God needed a people that would live separate from the world. That's all God requires. And when they are separate from the world, now in God loving, pouring his favor and his love on that people, the power and the glory of God is mediated to the pagan world through a separated people. But if that people that God intended on using is not separated for God's use, then salt has lost its savour. And God says, I cannot use you. Because it will now send a mixed signal. And I'm not going to violate my rules. So, 
the nation of Israel that once were in a ghetto, building entire cities for Ramses, are now people that are enjoying a garden and a house and a city, a God that will destroy any enemy that attempts to threaten them. But now there's somebody among the nations, and they started adopting the gods of other people. And God sent prophets to warn them, I'm not going to tolerate that. There's no other God beside me. There's no God but me. You need to go back and remember who brought your, your forefathers out with a mighty hand. It wasn't a trinity of gods. It was but one God, Israel. And because they would not hearken, Jeremiah, I feel sorry for him because he was the weeping prophet that did not make one convert. Book of Lamentations, it's this prophet crying his eyes out as God's people are led away in chains that at one time were designed and destined for greatness. If this never becomes personal to you, it needs to. You can be sitting here tonight going, Well, I'm here tonight. You got to understand you're part of this. Everybody's part of this. Every single human being. My God, I feel I don't even know how far I'm going to get in this tonight. I want to tell you what. We are the people of God. You are royalty. You are royalty. Well, I don't want to be royalty. It doesn't matter what you think. This is God's thing. This is God's program. This is God's church. You're God's child. It was Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. Know ye not, you're not your own. You're bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. The nation of Israel played around, messed around to the point where they were bringing idolatry in and building what the Bible said called high places. High places were not good things. High places were actual groves. They were places of idolatry where they set up totems and they set up idolatrous images, and they, they'd carve an image and then fall down and worship the very image that they just carved. And God said, that's it. I can't use you. But I'm not going to leave you where you are because where you are is part of the promise of my goodness to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, So I'm going to take you back into bondage, and you're never going to be free again. And in the book of Daniel, it was, it was actually revealed to Daniel that the nation of Israel would forever be, until the end of this age, that they would be under Gentile rules called the times of the Gentiles. Nebuchadnezzar's image is a graphic image of world consecutive world powers that would be standing on the nation of Israel and they would never be a free people again. And it broke something in the nation of Israel. It broke something in them. The book of Nehemiah, the book of Ezra, Zerubbabel, the laying of the foundation of the temple and the construction of the walls. When you, after you backslide and you're coming back to God, the very first two things that need to be restored in your life is worship and your love for doctrine. Well, I can't worship. In fact, in fact, there's one place in the book of Ezra where the nation of Israel, it had been through the reading of the word of the Lord that... Um, they just continued to weep and weep and weep when the Word of God was read to them and they were able to, to see themselves in the Word of God, how bad they'd blown it, how bad their forefathers have blown a God-given opportunity and they couldn't stop weeping. That finally God said, quit crying. The joy of the Lord is your strength. This, a lot of people get this mixed up. It's not my joy. 
I can look at how bad I messed up. God's not looking at how bad you messed up. God's saying, you're back where you belong. You've restored worship. You've built the wall again. I'm happy. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It ain't about you needing a new car. It ain't about you needing a raise on the job. You're right where God wants you to be. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm going to tell you that nobody can blow it so bad that God will not restore you. You have to let God do it. You have to believe that God wants to do it. The devil gets us so freaked out where he just replays every failure. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that lion's spirit in Jesus' name. You need to do this. I plead the blood. I plead. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And that's all you need is the blood. Clap your hands and give him praise. My Lord. Man, it's been a while since I preached, and I'm feeling it all over me tonight. Get back up. Put a smile on your face. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. This second captivity. You understand that God bringing the nation of Israel out of Egyptian bondage is like God bringing us out of the world. God leading his people into chains and irons into Babylon is going into spiritual captivity, false doctrine. The nation of Israel was was never able to get their rhythm the rhythm of prophecy again. Prophecy was the, 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 the wind under their wings where they would sail in the high places of the earth and they never got that wind again. They were a dominated people. One of the reasons why the Apocrypha and Pseudo-Apigrapha uh, writings were written that were intertestamental. I know that there's some religious groups that have canonized these books. They're not canonized. If you understand the history, that there was a Maccabean revolt between Malachi and Matthew, and what it was is that there was the, the Jews were zealous. They could read the scriptures in the Old Testament and said, we know a Savior's coming. We know a Redeemer's coming. They were trying to force the issue. They were trying to encourage themselves. It's like a form of biblical ghostwriting that they would pick some Old Testament figure and they would begin to write as a ghostwriter, like they were assuming that, that character and they were trying to encourage themselves that a Redeemer is coming. And a Redeemer did come. The problem is they didn't recognize their Redeemer. They thought their Redeemer was going to set them free from the times of the Gentiles. They didn't understand that a Redeemer was coming that was going to set them free from the power of the devil, from the spirits of this world, and turn them absolutely free. You just got a $100 Bible study for free. That's the backbone. I just gave you the meat and potatoes and the pickles of the Old Testament. The nation of Israel never got their mojo back. It broke something in them. And so consequently, they never got their spirituality completely back on track. And God had to send minor prophets to continue. Hey, you know better than this. Hey, go back and do the former things. Go back and read your Bible. Go back and read the Pentateuch. Go back and read the Torah. Go back and read the writings of Moses, your history. They became a broken people. And so Malachi is the last in a long lines of what the Bible calls minor prophets. They were prophets that had their time frame was very was very short. Their influence was just like a splash. But it was God's way of trying to get his people moving 
in a forward direction until he could robe himself in flesh. By then, the Pharisees had formed. They didn't, they didn't even exist previously. They formed and developed in the intertestamental period, which is a 430 silent year period of time in which people's religious imaginations went crazy. I've already mentioned the Apocrypha and the Pseudo-Apigrapha. I've got a book at home that I, that I had to, uh, in one of my courses. It's about that thick. And they expected me to read it. I didn't cheat. I just, I just didn't do all my assignments. And you want to, you want to find a way to cure your insomnia? Go out and get the book called The Other Bible. It's got about a thousand pages, and start reading it like you're really into it, and you'll be sound asleep in a matter of minutes. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. I still got an A in the class, so I guess I did something right. I was a horrible student at 16. In fact, I got permanently kicked out of high school as a junior because of drugs and just being a ding-dong. I'm a much better student at 60 plus. Don't wait that long to get your act together. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're thinking, well, I, I can just mess around, mess around. You know what? You don't know when Jesus is coming. Quit messing around. You're wasting blessings. Well, just one more little ding-dong trip. The flesh is so stupid. So, the book of Malachi rolls around. There's a lot I could say. There's a whole bunch more I could say about some of the other minor prophets. The nation of Israel and Judah is in bad shape. They're just going through the motions, just no joy, no peace, no excitement, no purpose, no direction. You know, you're not, you and I are not designed to live that way. This book, this book, it's real easy. It's real easy. Pastor, I feel lost. I don't know what to do. Pastor James from Jerusalem has incredible wisdom. He says, draw nigh to God, and God will draw nigh to you. I don't need a big old long address. I don't need to do five prayer laps around this church. I just need to, in my heart, get myself down and say, I'm going to draw nigh to God. And God said, that's all I've been waiting for. That's all God's been waiting is for us to quit playing our little game and draw nigh to God. Well, pastor, quit preaching to me. What makes you think I'm not preaching to me? I still need to pray. I still need to repent. I still need to seek God. I still need grace. I still need blood. I still, come on, somebody help me out. I still need the Holy Ghost. There is nobody that can do this without the power of God. There is nobody that can live in the 21st century without the power of God. Oh, let's praise him. He's there. Draw an eye to God, and he will draw an eye to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is so easy, Brother David. That's better than take two aspirins and call me in the morning. This is easier. Okay, the nation of Israel had been broken. They were a broken people. To make matters worse, they had forsaken some of the characteristics in the past that did work. One of the complaints I have with modern-day 
Pentecost is that in modern-day Pentecost's attempt to want to be relevant in the 21st century, they want to start ditching all the things that made them Pentecost. One of the things, and I'm, I'm working on a uh, deal right now for our uh, symposium. We're putting out a journal that will be out one of these days. And in, in uh, this article that I'm writing, I'm talking about an accurate rendering. And we must, we must be giving the world and the spirit world an accurate rendering of what this is supposed to be. Our whole world is caught up with Hubble telescope. I want a better view. I want 4K. I want it crystal, crystal clear where the images are sharp. And, and I want pictures of the Hal drawn uh, collider in, in France and Switzerland. I want, I want pictures of quarks and splitting of atoms. And I, I want it in 4K. And I want it in, in big resolution. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see. Our world is caught up with an accurate rendering. But what God is asking is, is the world getting an accurate rendering of God through his people? Nothing is different between us and the nation of Israel. He brought us out so that he could use us. He is looking for a people that will not get lifted up when he lifts us up. And then God gets the glory. God is not a miser. God is not stingy. But most people cannot handle the blessings of God. The thing that determines whether you can handle the blessings of God or not has nothing to do with how long you've been here. It has everything to do with your prayer life and your consecration. Your consecration is what keeps you anchored to the reality that I don't know how I got in this. But I don't know why. I am driving what I'm driving. I am living in a nice house. I've actually got a lawn. I've got this. I didn't have two nickels when I got into this. Pastor, why are you talking about all this? Why did you? Because God has designed this thing in such a way that he requires to be a partner in our finances. Oh, so God needs money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver's mine. All the gold is mine. All the nations in the world are like a drop in the bucket. He doesn't need anything. But God just wants to know if we have forgotten that we need him. So, that leads us to the book of Malachi. They're a wounded people. They are a stripped people. They have lost their spiritual dignity. They are miserable. They're teetering on the edge of going full-blown idolatry again. And so God sends them a prophet by the name of Malachi. And talks to them about the offering that will be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. The thing that made Pentecost Pentecost is the fact that God poured the Holy Ghost out on all flesh and the very first Pentecostals were as poor as church mice. Uh, I was in Los Angeles about a month ago. Brother Larry Booker um, took me on a one-on-one -on -one tour of the early beginnings of Pentecost on the West Coast. We went, um, we went in the house where the Holy Ghost was first pull, poured out in Los Angeles. Sat right he and I were the only ones sitting in this living room, and I could feel the Holy Ghost all over me while he was sitting there telling me. Then we went, then we went to where the apostolic faith mission was, where the Azusa Street Revival broke out. And 
tens of thousands of people were filled from the filled with the Holy Ghost that spread this all over the world. Then he took me to a royal seca where the very first camp meeting was where somebody got a revelation of Jesus' name baptism. But in every one of those situations, the people that God poured the Holy Ghost out on were very poor. They lost their first building. William J. Seymour was a black Wesleyan pastor that was filled with the Holy Ghost and became the pastor of that revival. And they were in a just, Brother Booker told, took me to the place. It's been long gone. He took me to the place in downtown Los Angeles. I'll look up skyscrapers all over the place. And, and he took me to the place where the house was. And he said, now, Brother Mayo, he said the house was sitting about like here. It was about 40 feet across. It was 40 by 60. The entire spiritual universe of this world. The epicenter was in Azusa Street at this little mission that was pastored. I'm going to tell you, don't get prejudiced. Because if it wasn't for our black brothers and sisters, we wouldn't even have what we have today. The very first oneness organization in America was not the UPC, the AG, ACI, all this stuff. It was the PAW. And everybody said, thank God for my brother and my sister. If I ever hear, if I ever feel that spirit in this church, where are you going? If I ever feel that prejudiced spirit in this church, I will, I will pull my apostolic guns out and I will unload on that spirit. Because I'm going to tell you, it's poured out on all flesh. Yellow, green, black, white, gay, lesbian, confused, up, down. I was talking to a guy a while back and said, well, I was born this way. I said, well, that's why you got to be born again. You get God's power and knock that foolishness out. God will set you on a rock to stay and bless your socks off. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him the praise. Hallelujah. Please don't get offended by this, but when we first moved to Spokane, I didn't think there was any black folks that lived in Spokane. About five years after we lived here, my wife came in one day and said, Honey, You'll never guess. I saw a black person today. I said, let's go get him. Well, listen, Pastor. Few of us in the spit and whittle club. We want this to be an all-white church. You took a wrong turn. This is for everybody, even you. <clears throat> but you're going to have to hit the altar and let God knock that foolishness out of your spirit. Somebody clap your hands and give God the prayer. I don't care if you're illegal, legal, up, down, in the middle, crossways. Everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God. Pentecost got elevated from the other side of the tracks to now some of the nicest buildings in our cities. Somebody recently told me this is the nicest building in, in Liberty Lake. And I thought, well, it's only a couple thousand people live here, but I'll take that compliment. Praise God. All the glory goes to God. We started in a 700-square-foot office suite. Bless our hearts. When God exalts us, it's not to make us important. <laughs> Do you know how many people were at this summit conference that have been sending me text messages? I am telling you the truth, saying ever since that conference, there's been a steady stream of visitors, and we're thinking about getting another building. I said, Do it. God didn't do this for us because of who I am. God's got to use somebody. 
Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. Let's take a praise break right now. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. I know we've got some very, very precious people that are with us here tonight. There'll be a lot more on Sunday that walked into this building. They probably thought, man, I almost bought a car here. In fact, I got an oil change about right where pastor's at. You can still get an oil change tonight. It's pretty nice around here. Wasn't always like it. We're in a building we didn't build. Costs twice as much as what we paid to build. I got news for you. This ain't the last building for Cornerstone. No, 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 no. God's talking to hundreds of people. You're walking right by people that God's talking to. God's just got to get his servant awake. Okay, God. Well, Pastor, are you sure about that? Uh Uh-huh. God first talked to Saul before he talked to Ananias. And an angel shows up to Ananias and goes, Now, Ananias, there's going to be a guy coming to you. Or rather, I want you to go to this guy named Saul. Saul? God, do you know who Saul is? Can you imagine this guy's line of question? God, do you know who Saul is? Yeah. Do you know what he's been doing? Yeah. I don't think I can do this, God. Just go and do it. See, God's already talking to people in the world. God's got to convince us. Clap your hands and give him praise. God's got people right under your nose. He's trying to wake you up. Oh, God, that's that's the supervisor. That's the boss. The boss? The boss is on a 60-day drinking binge. His marriage is this. He's actually thinking of ending it all with a handgun. All he needs is somebody to say, you know, I know, I know some things are going on, but I just feel like, whew, I feel like the Holy Ghost is wanting me to invite you to church. And all of a sudden. I know a lot of people don't believe this, but it's in the book of Acts. Well, you know, Brother Mayo, that was just way back then. I thought we were God. You see, the Acts 2 revival ran out of steam in about Acts 6 or 7. As soon as Stephen had died, God said, okay, I got a, I got a new way we're going to do this. I'm going to start talking to people. A revival church will still have revival based on the merits of what happened on a day in Pentecost church service. But God says, I'm going to add to that that I'm going to start talking to people. Now I just need to get my servant in line. Well, I need more proof than that, okay? Cornelius, are you here? God first talks to the hated Roman. He is a Roman soldier that if you understand anything about the times of the Gentiles, the Roman rule represented the legs of Nebuchadnezzar's image. They were the hated Romans. And so God is talking to a Roman soldier, and once he gets his attention, he says, now go over there and talk to Peter. Peter, rise and eat. Not so, Lord. God's way out there. Cornerstone, God's way out there. We're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just trying to say every day you get up, say, God, where are they today? Who can I talk to today? Lead me to somebody today. It might be the president of the bank. It might be your boss. It might be a coworker. Clap your hands and give God the praise. 
Have we become so blinded by the blessings? Have we become so blinded by the blessings? Israel. And so modern day Pentecost is trying to fit into a postmodern 21st century dynamic says, all right, people in our world are easily confused. So there'll be no more tongue talking in service. There'll be no more aisle running, demonstrative worship, praise. Nothing over a certain decibel level because we don't want to scare the visitors. Honey, if you watching somebody that's off drugs scares you, it's amazing. You'd rather have your tax dollars go to some halfway house than watching some guy that's not only off drugs, but he's got a job and he's got a wife and kids now. Didn't cost anybody anything. Oh, come on, somebody. This is not another message. This is the message. I'm not going to change what liberty looks like. I'm not going to change. Oh, let's lift our voice and give him praise if you're truly free tonight. Come on, world. There's something better than Alcoholics Anonymous. There's something better than that psychiatrist. There's something better than opioids. There's We're not trying to, we're not, we've got visitors here tonight saying, man, I ain't never been in a church like that. I said the exact same thing the first time I ever went to the Rock Church in Sacramento, California. I saw people running, jumping, hairdos shaking. I thought, man, this is the weirdest group of people I've ever seen. Even weirder than all the drug addicts I'm hanging out with. At least, at least I can understand why they're doing it. Nobody here looks like a drug addict. Nobody here looks like an alcoholic. And they're running, they're jumping, they're shouting. What's going on around here? I said, I said, you know what? You ain't never going to get me to do that. I'm Kind of standing here, kind of had that, you know, living out of cardboard boxes. Didn't even have a driver's license. Didn't even know who owned the car I was driving. Uh, you ain't never going to get me to act like these wild, weird people. You want After I got the Holy Ghost, I was leading the pack. I was saying, get out of my way. Now I've got what they've got. And I feel what they feel. And I know what they know. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It's time to get back to the basics and find out where the blessing is and find out why God called us out to begin. Oh, lift your voice and give him praise. Woo! God's wanting a group of people to give an accurate rendering of what this is really all about. Well, I, don't, I was talking to a friend of mine, an architect, on the phone today. He said, you know, Pastor, I don't know about all that stuff. I said, just go back and read the book of Acts. You know, Holy Ghost moved. They were in a prayer meeting. God still shows up to prayer meeting. And the Spirit of God filled everybody in there. And they came, they came walking out of that upper room like drunk people, speaking in tongues, saying the wonderful works of God. God's still doing that today. God's still doing that. I don't care how fancy my truck is. I'm ready to take a lap. I don't care how nice these clothes are. I'm ready to get sweaty for the name of Jesus. I don't care how dignified I look. I'm ready to go wild for Jesus. That's why he brought me out. That's why he called me out. He wants to use me to give our visitors an accurate rendering of what the power and the glory No, this is just the truth. Well, I don't know if I can act. You know what? You just need to pray through. Come on, Israel. You're broken. You're stripped. You're dissatisfied. You're despondent. You're not happy. You're not, you're not in the groove. You're not in the sync of why God truly called you out to begin with. And the further we move from purpose, 
the more dissatisfaction that we are going to feel in the inner man. And the more we're going to try to compensate for that dissatisfaction by going to things or going to, to, to situations or maybe getting involved in a relationship, maybe getting addicted to internet pornography where nobody knows about it, maybe getting on a dating website when nobody, when my spouse doesn't know about it because I'm looking for something. Is that too real for you? Sorry. That's why God called me because I'm not afraid to be real. Just tell it like it is. All those things that you put in your life is a cheap substitute, and God is a jealous God. God's not going to put up with that forever. God's saying, all right, I know you're confused. I know you're hurting, but you need to come to me. You need to draw nigh unto me. You need to call on my name. You need to seek me in the day when I can be found. Clap your hands and give God the praise. There is no substitute. It's an accurate rendering. Let's lift our hands and love them again. There's people God's ministering to right now that you've got your life full of cheap substitutes. There's all kinds of fears that we already know they're there of why we're not really willing to confront. I'm telling you, God didn't give you that spirit of fear. I'm telling you, right in this service here tonight, somebody could get delivered by the power of the Holy Ghost. You're thinking you were just here for a little Bible study, but God, this is, this is what this thing is all about. It's explosive. It's unpredictable. It's not rehearsed. It's explosive. The further we move from genuine purpose, we try to mediate that lack of purpose. And that's when God becomes jealous. He says, I never designed you for that. I brought your parents out of that. I never designed you for that. You need to go back and review the things, days of old. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's love him one more time. Somebody, somebody needs to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. You've only got one little narrow way that God's really going to use you. And if you don't go for it, you're going to regret it every day of your life. Israel. I'm not even going to get to my notes tonight, but I will say this. There's some people in this church that have yet to get on board with giving God what's his. The tithing is not the preacher's. God said, that's mine. And it's not that God needs the money. God wants to see if you trust him. tell you, if you're faithful, and I'm not even going to get into this. I got a whole deal on this, but we don't have time. But when I first came out of the world, I didn't trust God. I didn't know God. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any experience in seeing him move and having him walk me through things and me learning things from the inside out. I didn't know God. Man, when I got my first job, and I got that paycheck, I thought, man, there ain't nobody getting this money from me. Are you kidding me? I'm not. I got up at 7 o'clock in the morning to go to work, and now they're telling me I got to give some of this up. That's how I thought. But I have learned. Giving is directly tied to your walk with God. Well, the church is trying to manipulate us to give more. 
That is exactly how a person that doesn't have the Holy Ghost thinks. We're so freaked out over money. I don't want to give a tip. I don't want to pay my taxes. I'm a constitutionalist. Yeah, but you're going to jail for 10 years of back taxes. Who do you think is going to pay for all this stuff going on in our beautiful world, huh? You've robbed me. They were so far out of whack. said, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. I don't have time to get into all this, but the word tithing literally means tenth. God already built into the equation. You know, I get a kick out of going to these coffee shops and they whirl that thing around. How much of a tip am I worth? Dude, you didn't do anything. Flip that thing back around. Tell Brother Jake and all the coffee shop people I said that. Now, I'm not talking about our Holy Ghost blends back here. But I was in a coffee shop somewhere. No, I'm telling you, this joker didn't, didn't do anything but give me a dirty look. And it flipped around and said, how much of a tip you want? I put zero and flipped it right back around. No, no, I'm old school. I don't mind giving a tip, but you got to work for that. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We live in a world, oh, you want free health care. Oh, you want this. You want housing. You want free. You want everything free. And people bring that into the church, and they think, God's just going to open it all up. God's going to meet every need. God's going to give me everything I want. I hate to tell you this, but Obama's not president anymore. Uh, I'm sorry to get political, but Brother Kyle, I just couldn't help myself. You know, God will do for you what you can't do for yourself. But God will not do for you what he expects you to do. Well, God helps those that, um, how's the rest of that go? It's not in there. Mama told me that for years. That scripture's not in the Bible, never was in the Bible, not in any modern, not even in an Orthodox Bible. You do what you're supposed to do in obedience to the word, and God will do the rest. Let's clap our hands and give this great God great praise. God, here's my 10%. You're not going to, God's going to heal you. God will raise you up. God give you a house. God bring you in contact. God give you favor. God bless you. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. Just 10%. I just got to get dramatic because it, it just, it probably looks so stupid me doing this. But this is how exasperated I feel. Do this to your neighbor. Some of you are disobedient right now, and that's fine. You don't need to look as stupid as I do. Okay. You're kidding me. See, this is what you don't understand. If you'll give God 10% when you just made 100, God's going to see we're developing a relationship. He trusts me. Now I'll give you 1000 a week. Oh, he's doing good. I wonder what you'll do with 10,000. God wants to find out, Israel, because God needs us to use as a medium to people that you work with every day that are on their way to a miserable fate. But God has chosen to use you to reveal to everybody 
that, honey, I might have been walking to work, but now I'm driving a new set of keys right here. How'd you get that? You win the lottery? You play in the lottery? You folks that are playing the lottery ought to be ashamed of yourself. God's better than the lottery. You just be faithful. I can prove it to you. If one can put a thousand to flight, what can two do? Clap your hands and give this God the praise. Just 10%. Man, I got to give to that church. Man, I got to give to the landlord. I got to give to the landlady. I got to give to Uncle Sam. I got to give to these dinglings in Congress. I got to give to this. I got to give to that. I got to give to this. Now they're telling me I got to give at church. This ain't like giving to the Lord. Me and God are partners. God just wants to know if he can trust you. Let's stand to our feet, and one more time, let's clap our hands with strength and energy and give him great praise. God said, trust me. Prove me. It's the only place in the Bible where he said, go ahead. You've never trusted me before, but watch and see what I'll do, Israel. I'll blow your socks off. All right, this is what I'd like you to do real quick. It's before 9 o'clock. we got a few minutes. I want everybody in this building, just come up and stand around the altar. We're going to pray together, and then you'll be dismissed in Jesus' name.